<laughs> I always say these are the most tired people in our church, so give them just one more round of applause for this. <laughs> now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know about a couple of things. One that we talk about every once in a while is uh, the importance of small groups around here. And, uh, yeah, as I'm saying that, I see the pan. Don't forget. Now, now if, you, if you did your betting ticket, they're gonna, our servers are going to pass the offering plates now. Uh, if you are going to give some offering, we appreciate that. But also, go ahead and put your betting ticket in there, whatever your, uh, whatever your guess is. We have a fabulous prize of $10,000. Just kidding. It's a Starbucks gift card. But it's almost as good. It's almost as good. Uh, we'll do that at the end of the service. Now, uh, as I mentioned, we've we got small groups that uh, we, we love to talk about small groups. Some of you are a part of a group like that. If you're not, we'd love for you to jump in. Well, I want to let you know about a couple of new groups coming up. We've got one that's going to be starting on Sunday morning, going through the book of Mark. We've also got another study that meets during the week that they watch. If you've ever seen the series, The Chosen, it's a great, really great series. And there's a group that is kind of going through that and watching that series and then digging into the, those places in Scripture. And we've got one more special group starting up, or getting ready to start up for ladies uh, women who are overcoming trauma, kind of a specialized targeted group. But if you would like to be a part of one of those or, or one of our other groups we have going on, you can always find that information on our website. Or if you want to swing by the Next Steps area before you leave today, they can get you plugged in and all the info when those groups meet and how you get involved. And I, I love when we get to celebrate our, our babies. also love when we get to celebrate somebody who's taking a first step in their relationship with Jesus, and last week we got to celebrate with Jason Bridges Jr., so give it up for this little guy, he's really awesome. That's Derby Week, and I was thinking, how do I start this sermon, because, you know, it being Derby Week, so I, I thought, well, we'd do it like this, so are you ready? And I'm off. It's going to be a little longer than two minutes, so just to set your expectation level. But uh, we're, we're, we're cruising through this series, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And I've titled this message today, When God Seems Late. And that is one thing that drives me crazy. I don't like to wait. I hate traffic. Uh, sometimes ungodly things come out of me when I sit and I'm waiting in traffic. I, I just don't like to wait. And I tend to be uh, an on-time person. Round of applause if you're typically a late person. Okay. Yeah, a few of you, it took you a few seconds because you were even late to that. But, but there, there's the thing, to those of you that clapped, those of you that were willing to admit it, you're, thank you for your bravery. There's something you may not be aware of that on-time people do. Here, here's the thing. that, Like, if we're going to meet you at, at noon for lunch, and we've got an you know, appointment or whatever, we will tell you to meet us at 11.45. I'm not sure if you know that we do that or not, but the cat's out of the bag, But because we, we, we know you're not going to be there. Till, but anyways, it's, it's okay. It's all right. I know it's, it's hard. It's hard to be on time. Now, I heard a story about a, a college, uh, uh, yeah, college student who was having trouble with this. Uh, he showed up an hour late for the second time in a week to class, late. And so the professor called him into her office and she said, okay, you know, you've been late twice this week already. Like, is this going to be a habit with you? What's the excuse? Why are you showing up late to my class? And, and the college student, he just kind of shrugged, says, oh, sorry, I overslept. 
And she said, come on now, you've got to give me a better excuse than that. This is ridiculous. At least tell me something that I've never heard before. And he said, he just smiles and says, you look very lovely today. So if you're keeping track on your betting card, that was number one. So any that picked the college student, that was number one. Being late, though, is, is tough. When, you, when you're waiting on someone who is late, that's even tougher, especially when that person is God. When you feel like God is not showing up, you know that, that moment when you say, I've been praying about something, I'm waiting on the Lord to do something because there's something I need, and I need him to move, and, and you're, you're believing, you're trusting that he can do this, and yet he has not. And if you're like me, sometimes you start to ask the question, why, why doesn't God show a little urgency here? You know, why doesn't he do something about this? Where is he at? Well, here's a thought that I heard this past week that I wanted to pass along to you. I thought this is so good. That with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. And we're going to look a little bit more into that today as we dive into the Old Testament. In Daniel chapter 3, there's a story of three guys that really went through a really difficult season of waiting. And we're going to see in their story that even though they waited, nothing is wasted. And I want to give you kind of an idea. These, these three guys that we're talking about who probably were probably teenage uh, at the time when, when this happened. And I'll give you a little info on, on their story and what was happening in the background. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this, this story happened around 600 B.C., and at that time, there was a, a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, I always think it's interesting. I, I won't nerd out on you too much, but this week I was studying all about the, uh, the historical uh, kind of records of, of Nebuchadnezzar in, in his reign. And we sometimes forget when we read things in the Bible that these were real people. And these are real things that really happened in history. And you can find all kinds of information about Nebuchadnezzar and, and you know, what that was like. And just kind of a crazy thing. But he, he was a pretty bad dude. And you always know that somebody is a bad dude when no one names their kid after that person. Like, there are no little nebbies running around, you know. I, there's nothing like that. And, and, and just interesting. Speaking of interesting names, this, now this has nothing to do with the sermon at all. I, but sometimes I just go down rabbit trails and I just, I just have to do it. And for those of you who are wondering what the next thing on the betting card is, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. Have you heard some of the names for the contending horses this year, some of the that may be in the Derby? I, uh, I always think they're kind of, kind of fascinating. Well, I, I heard a story about a horse that walked in a bar. Pretty weird, right? A horse walks into a bar, and the bartender looks up at the horse and says, Hey! And the horse said, you read my mind. You get it? You get that joke? Yeah, you got it. You got that. There's some, some real, real true fans there. But some, so anyway, horses. That, that was the second one, a joke about a horse. But here's some of, the, some of the possible horses' names this year are so interesting. I'll tell you some of my favorites. Classic car wash. Instant coffee. Rocket can. Sun Thunder, that one just sounds great, doesn't it? But, but my favorite horse, if I was going to put a dollar on a horse this year, this is the one I'm going I'm to bet on, is called Two Fills. It's really his name, Two Fills. And it's, uh, it's, he's, he's a little bit of a long shot, but some of the experts are saying, hey, we like this horse. They think 
He's, pretty, he's got a great pedigree, and he's won the last uh, two out of the last four races that he's been in, which is really, you know, it's interesting to see what, what will happen with him. And, and I, I got a picture of him, in case you're wondering what he looks like. I got a picture of two Phil's up here on the screen. <laughs> so that's number three, make fun of Phil Miller. That is, there you go. So congratulations to all the, the winners there. But anyway, we're, we're going to get back to it now. Nebuchadnezzar, he's a pretty evil guy. And at one point, he, he made this golden statue, it was 90 feet high, and he, he gave this order that everybody in the kingdom was supposed to, at certain points throughout the day, they were supposed to bow down and worship this statue. Daniel 3, verse 5 says, When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, you know, sometimes we complain about our country and, oh, it's, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. No, oh, I don't like this person or that person. You know, at least it's not this bad. I mean, it could always be worse. You know, at least we don't, we're not going to be thrown into a blazing furnace for not, you know, bowing down and worshiping some statue or something. And at this point, though, in this day, everyone in the kingdom is, is going along with it. They're all bowing down to this statue except for these three guys that we're talking about today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what we're going to see in their story is that with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Some of you that are praying for something, you're believing for something, you've got faith that God is going to move, and yet he doesn't seem to be moving yet. I want to give you a couple of things to remember that I hope will, will build your faith in the middle of the waiting season. The first is this, is that God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Just because God has not answered you yet does not mean that he's not going to answer. And even if he doesn't answer the way that you are asking him to answer, does not mean that he's not going to answer in the way that's best and that's good and for your ultimate good. Just because God hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not going to do it. I know people who have been praying for a child. I've, as a matter of fact, we even had some in our some people in our family that were praying and praying and praying. We want to build a family. We want to, you know, like these people that were just here on this stage. We, this is what we want more than anything else, Lord. And they pray and they pray and nothing and nothing. They're unable to conceive. And it seems like God is saying no. And, and yet at some point, miracle of all miracles, uh, they, they, they're expecting a child and we celebrate with them. It's great and awesome. Just because there's a delay doesn't mean it's a denial. It's the same with our relationships. I know people that are like, I just want to be in a relationship more than anything else. And they're praying about that. God, why won't you send somebody? Why won't you send somebody? Why won't you send somebody? And sometimes God is saying, you have to wait. You have to wait. Sometimes he might be saying, well, you got to get out of the house. you got to go meet somebody. I don't know, go to church or something. You know, There's people there. But it's, it's with jobs. We say, oh, I need, I need a new job. I need a new job or opportunities, whatever. You're waiting and you think maybe God has given up on you. He seems late to respond. But I'm going to argue that sometimes you might experience what I'm going to call a divine delay. There's a purpose to this. What you think you need and you need it right now is not the thing that you need. And it's not the thing that's ultimately going to be good for you. It's a God-orchestrated delay. God may, may do what you want, but maybe he has a different purpose. And I'm going to argue all day long that regardless of how he responds or when or whatever that looks like, that God is much more interested in doing something in you than he is interested in doing something for you. But there are... There are opportunities for growth 
You go back to Daniel chapter 3, everybody's bowing to this statue, but these three guys are not. They're being faithful to the Lord. And verse 13 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God is going to be able to rescue you from my power? So this seems like a really good time for God to show up. He's given them this ultimatum. You're either going to do this or this is going to happen to you. And we think, okay, you think about the moments in your life when you've been right there. Like something's got to give right now. And you say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do everything you want me to do. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be the person you want me to be. And now I need you to come through for me. I was just talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago that was in a position. Maybe somebody here has been in like this too. He was asked to do something unethical at work. From, I mean, direct from his bosses. Say, just, I need you to fudge a few numbers. need you to lie a little bit. Not a big deal, but this is what I need you to do. And he said, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, you're asking me to, to break the law and to do something that's wrong and to lie. And that, that's not who I am. I, you know, and not only as just a, a you know, moral human being, but as a, as a Christian, I can't do that. And that they were, this guy was fired. Let go. And he says, you know, why is it that, that I'm not vindicated? You would think that would be the moment that God shows up, you know, kind of says, whoa, here, we're, now I'm going to make you the boss because you passed the test, you know, and all this stuff. Why, why does it seem to be that way but there's those moments when God seems slow or late they're never wasted and that's where I really want our hearts to lean into today is God is doing something in you in fact in my own life during those waiting seasons I can tell you when I've been kind of it feels like you're in the pause that those are the times when God has grown me faster and and better than any other time God has given me patience. That's one thing I've learned not to pray for. If you, you say, God, help me with patience, then he's going to provide you opportunities to learn how to be patient. When you pray, and, and this is no joke, when you, you say, man, I, need to, I wish I was stronger. I see these other people and their faith is so strong. God, help me to have strong faith like that. You know, the only way to gain strength is through resistance. You've got to work. You, you're going to have to be put in situations that are uncomfortable and difficult in order for strength to be produced as a result. If you're praying, God, you know, help me to be you know, more loving, then he's going to give you opportunities to learn what love looks like, that it's not just you know, tingly-wingly feelings, but it's, it's about choices and about denial and sacrifice and all those sorts of things. And when, we're, when God is growing us, he's teaching us to depend on him and the to call on him and press in and walk by faith, not by sight. Because there's a lot that doesn't make sense. I mean, these are the hardest things about being a Christian. Is when you're in the midst of a circumstance that makes no sense and it, it doesn't add up. The pieces aren't coming together. And yet I'm trusting that God has a purpose. Even in that. That where I'm weak, he is strong. Let's look at the next few verses. Uh, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied... Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, 
The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. That's one of the best statements of faith in the whole Bible. That They say, you know what, if you, you try to execute us, you throw us in there, our God can save us. But the next verse, I think, is probably the biggest statement of faith, at least in the Old Testament. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. That takes even greater faith to say, I know that God can, I know that God could, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to lose my faith. I'm not going to deny my God. And that's hard for us because so many times what we do is we, we back God into a corner and we say to him, okay, I need you to do this. And if you don't do this, then that means you're not good. Or that means that you're not there. Or if you don't do this by the end of the week, we put him on our time clock. We put God on our schedule. If you don't do this by the end of the week, then I guess you're not there and you don't care about me. God does not operate on our schedule. I just hate to burst our, all of our bubbles. But he's not tied down to our schedules. And he's certainly not limited by our understanding of our circumstances. He's got a bigger plan, a bigger, bigger purpose. And, and, and this is hard because when we're operating within what we know, and that's what we talked about last week when we looked at the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, such a great story. And, and one of the main points I wanted you to know from that is that faith isn't just ask. It's not just asking. It's trusting. Okay, God, I know that you're going to come through in the way that's best. Your timing's not my timing. Help me to be patient in that. Help me to wait on, on the Lord. That, that is probably the hardest thing about following Christ, is trusting when he seems late. And for these three guys, time's going by. Uh, God has not shown up for them yet. He's got to be there any moment, right? And, but it better be quick. And it says that in response to their faith, the king ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter. He said, let's just stoke that thing. Put more wood on there. Get it, get it hot as we can get it. And then he has his guards. He's got those uh, palace guards that bind them up. So they take ropes or whatever, and they just put their arms and legs together and wrap this stuff around them and just tie them as tight as they can. And then he orders them to be thrown into the furnace. And, and we're told in here, if you read there in Daniel, 5, Daniel 3, it says that when the guards approached the furnace and threw them in, that the heat was so intense that it, it killed the guards. They didn't get in the fire, just the heat itself just killed them. And they threw these guys in there. This is worst case scenario. And even though God seemed late, he moves at just the right time. Verse 24 says, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Like, isn't that what just happened? He said, yeah, your majesty, we certainly did. He said, look, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Other translations say it looks like a son of a god. Now, you have to remember reading this. This is about 600 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And yet we know through scripture, uh, that, that Jesus existed from the beginning with the Father. you got the, the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the, the, the three in one. And even at the beginning of creation, Jesus was there. And it's, it's a, you can go down lots of, lots, of deep, you know, lots of deep studying, looking at Christophany and uh, 
the, the presence of the, the manifestation of God in human form, the manifestation of Jesus, even in the Old Testament. And what we see here, it says, I see four men. I see a, a fourth that looks like a son of a God. What we are seeing is the physical manifestation of Jesus in the furnace with them. So listen, God is going to show you his power. This is going to happen in your life as you follow him. You're going to see God's power show up in a lot of different ways. There are going to be moments where you're praying for something and then things happen. God moves in your life and there's no other explanation other than God showed up. But I'm going to tell you right now that the moments where you are going to see and feel the power of God more than any other time are when you're in the fire. When you're in the midst of circumstances that are very uncomfortable and that you don't want to be in at all, that is when the power of God is going to be with you. And when you look at this text, he says, we, we threw three men in there and they were bound up. They're all tied up. Now I see four men loose, unbound. The scripture says they were unharmed, that they weren't burned. Even their robes weren't, weren't burned. And yet I believe by looking at it, there's one thing that was burned. And I, I think this is too, too big for us to miss this. The Bible says they were unbound. When they were thrown in there, they were tied up. And this is my point. The fire burned that which bound them. Now, why is that important? Why is that relevant? Because some of you are facing a fire right now. It might be a big fire. It might be a small thing. But you're begging God to deliver you from something. Get me out of this suffering. I don't like this. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's not my plan. I wanted my life to go up and to the right. I wanted things to continue to trend in a, in a positive direction. And this is an interruption. This is a distraction. This is, you know, suffering for me. This, could you just end this season of hurt or trial? But could I just propose to you that perhaps, even as we saw in this story, the very thing that you want God to remove from you is the very mechanism that God wants to use to set you free. Maybe there's some greater purpose to this. God may seem late, but I would encourage you to know that he's never late. He's always on time. But his time is not your time. And this is where some of you live right now. Okay, let's just call it what it is. You're waiting on something that's not happening. The financial situation is getting worse. It's not happening. You know, worse, month after month, you're praying, you're trying, you're working hard, you're doing the best you can. And, okay, nothing's changing, nothing's changing. What do I do? You're, you're fighting for your marriage, and you say, I'm praying, I'm doing everything that I can do. But the harder you fight, it just seems like the other person is just disconnecting. They just shut down. And you say, this doesn't make sense. Why? I'm praying. You're praying for someone you love. You're praying for a miracle. You, you, you know God can and it seems like he's not. And you say, Lord, you're not meeting my expectations. This is what I need. Can't you see it? I need this. I need this right now. And I believe in you. I trust you. I worship and honor you. I serve you. Why aren't you doing what I'm asking you to do? Maybe the trial you're walking through right now is the very thing that God's going to use to set you free. And maybe it won't make sense until later. Down the road, when you look back and you say... There's no other explanation for that other than that God intervened in my time of need and he did something that I didn't even see coming. It was not the way that I thought it was going to end, but it ended in a way that was still for my good. As he leads you through this season, he's going to grow you, he's going to help you mature, and he's going to connect you more closely to him. Verse 28 says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. 
They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. You see, when God shows up in your hurt, other people will see it. They'll see you, but they'll glorify God. It's, you don't even know the things that you're walking through. As you go through them, as God uses these things, there will be people in your life that aren't even following Christ, that because they've seen you, because they've seen what God has done in your life, they will become followers of Christ as well. And I just really wanted to encourage you today, just remember that a waiting season is never a wasted season. I don't know what you're waiting on right now, but you don't have to fear the, the, the waiting. You don't have to be afraid of that. I'm just going to close with this. I was, I was reading in my Bible the other day, just kind of prepping for this message, and I came across Luke chapter 18, and there's this parable that Jesus told. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. Um, it's short. But Jesus, he, he would tell these parables. It's, it's just a, it's a fictional story that has a deeper meaning. And so he told this story, it starts this way, Luke 18, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now that line right there is, I think, so big, that you should always pray and not give up, because what do we do? We give up so quick. We back God in the corner, we put him on our schedule and say, God, if you don't do this by this time, then I give up. I guess you're not going to come through for me. I guess God doesn't hear my prayers. I have people that, that will, as, we're, as we're working through an issue together, and like, man, I'm really struggling with my faith. I'm really struggling with my relationship with God because I prayed about this twice, and God hasn't answered me, so I guess he doesn't care about me. I'm like, twice? And you've only given him like two hours? Maybe we can wait on the Lord a little bit. But here's the story that Jesus told. He says, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming to me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge said. He says, remember, this is, this is a judge that he doesn't care about God, he doesn't care about people. He's just, a, he's just a not a very good dude. Did you hear what he said? He said, okay, because this widow keeps coming to me and asking, fine, I'll do it. He says, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. It's Comparison there is how much, if, if you have a judge who's unjust, who doesn't care about people, you have a father in heaven who loves you, who's given his, the life of his son for you. How much more is he going to answer you? He's not going to put you off. The way we understand time and the way we understand our circumstances is, is so small and limited. And we get frustrated with the Lord when he doesn't answer the way that we want him to when we want him to. You can't put God in a box. He's not going to be bound to the, to the boxes that we create. Don't fear the waiting. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. And even in the season of waiting, nothing's wasted. Just stay close. Let me pray for us.
Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to, to pay the price for our sins, that we can be forgiven and we can be made whole. I pray for each man and woman here today that you would draw us close to you. Help us even in the seasons where we feel like nothing's happening and we feel we, we, we worry that you, you're not going to respond to us. Remind us that you're with us, that you are always there, and that you have a plan. And help us to trust that even where our, even where our, our eyes can't see. Help us to believe and to know that you're working all things together for our good. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. John is going to announce the winner of the fabulous prize. Well, we actually have a four-way tie. <laughs> a four-way so, tie? Brandon, you're going to be the tiebreaker here. You ready? Okay. Can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> oh, man, this is a lot of pressure. Robin Schrode. Congratulations. <laughs> Enjoy. All right, guys, God bless you all. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.